Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast dedicated to helping Canadians navigate the complexities of wealth with a multidimensional approach to planning and wealth management. I'm Sarah Widmeyer, Director of Wealth Strategies at Richardson Wealth, and joining me today is Tom Deans, author of Every Family's Business and Willing Wisdom. Thanks for being here, Tom. Thanks for having me. So the idea of writing a will is, for many people, a thought worse than going to the dentist and getting some drillings. And I don't know why that is. And I'm hoping that as a result of our conversation today, we can explore that and help people get down to the business of writing a will, probably the most important document they'll ever write in -hmm. their life. Where did you get the idea behind Willing Wisdom? The book really was born from a lot of the questions that I was receiving from my audiences from my first book. So I took my first book on the road and gave a, I don't know, a speech about 500 times. And I was seeing patterns. I was seeing a lot of business owners who were in my audience asking the question, if I sell my business for $5 million, $10 million, $50 million, I'll solve the business transition problem, but then I'll replace it with actually a far more vexing problem, which is, how do I transition $5 million to my two kids? No one gave me $5 million. When do I tell them how much I sold my business for? Should I give them some money now, or should I leave it all to the end? Event after event, I was getting all these questions. Super, super complex questions and emotional questions about how to transition wealth. Mm-hmm. And that really led me into a number of years of research, interviewing dozens of lawyers around this subject. And what I learned was shocking. It is shocking. I know that one of the things I've learned recently is that estate litigation, you mentioned lawyers, estate litigation is the single fastest growing area of litigation in Canada, if not North America. There's not enough lawyers. Can you imagine? No. There's not enough lawyers to wade into the volume of families in dispute over not small amounts. We have record amounts of wealth being transitioned, $205 million every single day in Canada. Wow. Today, tomorrow, and every day for the next 10 years, at $755 billion. It is a tsunami of money. So estates are getting larger. They're more complex. Family dynamics are more complex. And yet, culturally, we have not kept up with this complexity. In fact, we are still clinging to some very old ideas. I don't know if you know this, Sarah, but... At the cornerstone of most Canadian estate planning is this idea that secrets, family secrets, (laughs) is what makes estate planning fantastic. Yeah. It's crazy. It it is crazy. You know, when you think about a will, I called it the most important document. I think you call it the most exciting document. Why do we leave the people we love most? Maybe we don't love them that much, but why do we leave the people we love most with questions and confusion and conflict about decisions we make while we're still alive. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't share those decisions with our loved ones. We don't tell them, okay, I gave you the piano instead of that because I know that your kids enjoy music and that's why you got grandpa's piano and you you're going to get this other really important thing. I mean, that's a silly example, but why don't we take the time to bring our loved ones into the process of writing a will and explain it. I think at the center of that is fear. And I think there's also, it's a lot of culturally informed decision-making. So we often repeat family systems theory, which suggests that we repeat in our family what our parents did around this subject. 
And for many Canadians, we are the first generation of serious wealth accumulators. So as wealthy people now are looking into their own family history and culture for clues on how they should transition their wealth to their children, there was not, there's nothing there. Their parents didn't have a will. There was nothing to divide. So we have, we have a lot of wealthy Canadians flying completely blind on this subject. And as they are approaching their senior years where they should be feeling really accomplished, they're incredibly fearful because they don't know how to engage their family on that one last subject, mm-hmm. money. Right. So leave. So they leave it alone. And again, silence is the great destroyer of Canadian wealth. It's not families that gather once a year with their advisor and have a, a structured family meeting with an agenda and treat the transition of wealth in a very formal business-like way, which many Canadian families are doing. They just, yeah. we're not reading about it because who wants to read that story, right? That's a boring story. We really are trending towards reading those stories in the Global Mail where prominent families are lawyering up and fighting in public court. I mean, that makes for far more interesting reading as we sip on our coffee and nibble (laughs) on our toast and guffaw at at how the wealthy are are mangling their relationships and destroying their wealth. It's drama. It's it's the stuff of great film and modern art. But the reality is we're we're better than this, Mm -hmm. and we have to be better than this. Families need the courage to understand that they can work with advisors, and advisors are offering this service to sit down and help a family talk about an orderly, transparent estate plan where people know what's coming their way. My brain just went as you were talking about some of the famous stories that are out there, but like Aretha Franklin, Prince. Oh, yeah. You know, no will, no estate plan. We could sit here all day. Yeah, it's amazing. We think that wealthy people have access to... smarter. Smarter and have have better lawyers and and, and therefore better advisors and they're going to drive an estate plan. Yeah. The reality is, lawyers will tell you this all the time, they draft wills, they remain unsigned. I don't know if you know this, Sarah, but recent studies show that if you actually draft a will, sign a will, and then hold it, you'll immediately die. <laughs> studies, studies show this. <laughs> and you can kidding. see how absurd that sounds, <laughs> right? But there is a lot of superstition informs the subject in a, in a, in a profound way. Yeah. And what I'm trying to do in my public lectures is to say, That is ridiculous. But more importantly, as families can gather and collaborate on the writing of a will, taking it out of the domain of being the secret document and actually viewing it as a collaborative undertaking, Mm -hmm. how exciting that is. And do you know why it's exciting? Because part of that conversation is not only the division of assets on death, but it's actually a conversation about powers of attorney and advanced healthcare directives, Mm -hmm. which are answering the question, who's going to take care of me when I'm old? Mm -hmm. One in three Canadians over age 65 are presenting some symptoms of dementia. It is a huge problem. We are living longer. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have answers to how we are going to age and who's going to take care of us, man, that's, that's scary. Yeah. So by engaging in a discussion about the division of assets, the will, Mm -hmm. and then rolling into that larger, more interesting conversation about who's going to take care of us. Do you see how I'm trying to unlock the self-interest in estate planning? It shouldn't be scary. It should be actually the opposite. Right. That's the exciting part of estate planning. Yeah. It's my, um, so my father passed in in May of last year. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. My mom has dementia. So it's been a fun 12 months. But prior to that, my brother, who's also in the business, mm-hmm. 
we sat down as a family and we did discuss the estate. We did discuss, uh, my parents were dead set that the cottage was going to be divided 50-50. And I don't have any interest in the cottage. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and I sat down on the dock and we talked about, okay, how are we going to do this? And then we went back to mom and dad and we said, this is, this is how we think we should do it. At that point, we also started to have conversations about dad's health was declining at that point, and mom was presenting some signs of dementia, but wasn't diagnosed by any means at that point. But you're right, it did open up a conversation about, okay, who's going to look after mom? What's going to happen with the cottage? How are we going to make this equal and fair, but in an unequal, fair kind of way? And, you know, I think if there's one thing we did right, we started to have those conversations four years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. long before the events of the last 12 months beset us. Right. So those conversations early and often, making estate planning feel familiar. You made reference to the dentist. Yeah. I remember the first time as a kid going to a dentist, I was terrified. That's, I can still hear the sound of that drill <laughs> in my mind. The second visit was a little bit better, but not really that much fun. Third one, a little bit better. Fourth, fifth. I go to the dentist now. I'm actually, it's like a, it's like a day at the spa. I fall asleep in the chair. It's so familiar. And that's exactly what I'm trying to suggest with estate planning. When families can go ho-hum, yeah. it's August 1st. This is when we have our family meeting every year where everyone gathers and we talk about and we share our documents and our powers of attorney and healthcare directives and, uh, you know, and everyone knows how it's going to go down. It just becomes familiar. And that's where the fear about aging and death recedes. Yeah. So, Tom, how would your family divide a cottage? Well, Sarah, you know, it's difficult to divide, hard to divide assets, like businesses, like cottages. It's pretty hard to take a you know, pair of scissors and just chop them in half and give them to three kids. I mean, how, how do you take three kids who have three kids and jam 12 people into a two-room cottage? I mean, cottages are such a great example of those indivisible assets in, in a state plan. So I think, you know, I've made reference to family meetings and the importance of family meetings with advisors present. And I think the cottage is where that asset needs to be discussed. So I'm a huge proponent of people saying to the children, look, we we want to sell this cottage. Do you guys want to buy it? And if you can't afford it, what we'd like to do is make a living gift, a living gift of cash to each of you. And those of you who want to return that money in exchange for the purchase price of the cottage, you see what we're doing? We're, we're actually getting the cottage into the hands of maybe the one person who is going to use it. Yeah. Or the family finds out that actually no one wants it. Actually, if they're opposed, presented with the issue of having to buy it to deploy their capital, risk mm-hmm. something, often people are like, nah, you know, we're, we're good. So it's unbelievable. So what we, what we do in our family is as we're aging, we're getting rid of those hard-to-divide assets and we're moving to cash. It is really easy to divide cash at the estate level. Hmm. Have you ever met anyone, Sarah, who has inherited cash and been disappointed? No. Not yet. No, no. People seem to love it. So embedded in this conversation are some key tips that we could give clients listening to starting this conversation, to helping transition and Mm -hmm. and how the family assets and the family wealth will be handled and direct us for care. What advice would you give clients listening to this? How do they start this conversation? I think they start by working with their advisor to have a facilitated family meeting. Most families who try to do this on their own without a third party in the room will will often give up. 
they're so overwhelmed and they're afraid of opening up a can of worms. They think it's going to, the meeting will go sideways. And in fact, instead of the family being left better with the transparency, they'll somehow cause damage and, and they won't know how to navigate that process. So I say, start with your trusted advisor. In many cases, that's an accountant or wealth advisor or both, Mm -hmm. and sometimes a lawyer as well. And it brings some gravitas to these meetings. It says, we're a fortunate family. We've worked really hard to create wealth and we've we've accumulated wealth by deferring consumption. I mean most families that's how they do it. They have a business, they defer consumption, they save, right? Mm-hmm. More than they spend. That's right. The old fashioned rules. And yet when it comes to the transition of their wealth, their estate plan, they 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 step back and they don't treat it with the same kind of rigor and discipline. So I know that the idea is catching on because I know there's families that are doing this. Mm-hmm. Again, we're just not reading about it, mm-hmm. but there are hundreds there are. and hundreds of families mm-hmm. are doing a great job of this. And I think once they start and they have an agenda and they start to tackle some of these issues, once the governance of the family is dealt with, you'll see that they'll almost all move into the one area where family meetings become super fun. And that's where they spend time on philanthropy. That's where they'll set aside some money as a family and they'll work on selecting a a joint cause. And it brings all the generations together to understand the value, the real value of wealth is, goes beyond just consumption and investing. There's mm-hmm. this whole other piece that can really ignite and excite the next generation and really connect them to the wealth in a profound way by understanding the stories. Right. It's about storytelling. Mm-hmm. We have a consistent message on this podcast that we revisit often. It's around planning early, planning with a goal in mind, reviewing, updating, reviewing, updating again. When it comes to your will, is it one and done or is it review it? And what do you recommend? You know, I often hear lawyers say it's very important to update your will every five years. Every five years. But I'll tell you. I don't understand that. It's like the same thing with business owners, too. I hear that. I say, when are you going to exit your business, sell your business? They'll say, five years. I come back next year, it's not four. It's always five. (laughs) Same thing with wills. Listen, a lot can happen in a year. I say review your will annually. Okay. It is unbelievable. You could have a birth of a child, death of a grandparent, start a business, sold a business, a major liquidity event. Lots can change in a year. I know some people have changed their will three times. Not because they're impetuous, because someone's in their family and someone's out. It's it's other life changes. So many people, yeah, they get a will, they put it in their drawer and forget about it. 1968, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in Los Angeles. We know that was a pretty horrific event for that country. The good news is he had a will. Bad news is, who do you think his executor was? <laughs> exactly. His oh. brother assassinated five years earlier. Who, yeah. was, who, yeah. was, wow. who was advising the Kennedys? Clearly, it wasn't an advisor at your firm. No, clearly. Clearly. On that note, your will is extremely personal. Beyond the monetary or sentimental gifts, it can act as a way to extend your legacy and teach the next generation about the responsibilities that accompany wealth. Tom, if listeners were to purchase a copy of your book, Willing Wisdom, where can they pick it up? Well, they would be able to pick it up and receive free shipping at willingwisdom.com. I think that's a great idea. That's a great idea for all of us. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website for articles and videos or speak to an advisor. And remember to follow us on LinkedIn for a broad range of information on wealth strategies. 
Conversations on Wealth is available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Tom. And thank you all for listening. And join me again next time. Thank you.